At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is Nina Perez, and this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Thank you so much for being here. I created this show for you, finding the best humans on the planet to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. Let's do this. Today, I found Ryan Sheckel. So he was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at the age of 18, and he was told that an average lifespan of people with this condition lasts about 35 years and probably would never become a biological father. So he has proven all of them wrong, and that's why I'm glad he is here so he could talk to us about that. So how are you, Ryan? How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to be here, Nina. Good. I'm glad you're here, too. I really am. And you know, um, so, you know, this, this is going to be a very good conversation because I think that people get a lot of doom and gloom and there's other ways of looking at this. So Ryan, first, before I go on to all of your amazing story, I do want to know a little bit more about you. So I always ask, who is Ryan? Who is Ryan? Tell us a little bit about you. An interesting stat. There's only 70,000 people in the world that are alive with cystic fibrosis. So it's crazy. It's such a rare condition. And yeah. it's interesting to hear when someone actually knows someone, someone else. Um, yeah. I'll be honest. I've only talked to a handful of people in the world that have had cystic fibrosis. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my story, and I think you'd hear this from a lot of people that have cystic fibrosis or that have any other disease that may affect the quality or length of their life, is that I'm not that much different than anyone else. No. I really, I'm really not. Um the, the biggest thing for me is to relate to people that I talk to and say, have you ever been told you can't do something? And Nina, I'm curious to know with you, I mean, when was the last time someone told you you couldn't do something? Yeah, they, they, they have said that a lot, actually, in my lifetime. So I get that. I believe it. It's common. Yeah. Everyone hears it. Everyone yeah. hears it. So when I was 18 years old, I was a senior in high school. I was getting ready to go to college and I was told by a doctor that I was being diagnosed with a disease that I would live to be 30. The average lifespan of cystic fibrosis was 30 
at the time that I was diagnosed. And this was uh, 18 or 19 years ago now. And that's scary for a high schooler. And I can walk you back even further than that. I mean, I grew up in a very idyllic childhood in a suburban area in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, everything seemed to me to be normal. And I think it's the upbringing that a lot of people have is you don't know anything different because it's the life that you were born into. Right. Um, I was skinny. I would uh, run out of breath every now and then. But other than that, I really, I lived a, a very idyllic childhood. I had a brother, I had parents, I had a dog, I had, uh, you know, I had friends, I went to school. It, it wasn't anything crazy to me. And then at 18 years old, everything kind of got flipped upside down with yeah. this realization that I had a disease that I was going to have to manage for the rest of my life. And realistically, that was the first time I, I was really told I couldn't do something. And, and it was a big, it was a big revelation that not only could I not do something specific, but I likely couldn't live uh, right. after the age of 30, 35 years old. Which, which isn't far from 18. No. You know, so no, like that's, not. that is so scary. That's a, that's a lot of news to hit a young man with. That's a lot. That's a lot. How, you know, so what was your mindset or your thought process after that diagnosis? Because I'm sure that everybody has a different path on how they take that, but that's a really hard thing to hear. It's almost like a, you know, friend of mine who heard she had cancer saying, you know, it's that, Whoa. whoa, you know, like, well, wait a second. How do you handle that at 18? What did, what was your like reaction or thought process? Yeah. You know, I had supportive parents that um, had told me from a very young age that I could do anything I put my mind to. And I, I grew up doing a lot of things that came easy to me um, that gave me a lot of confidence. Mm. So I don't know if it was just being 18 and naive and, and not necessarily really feeling sick. Like I didn't mm-hmm. feel at 18 mm-hmm. years old that I was sick. I obviously had gone to a, a doctor um, to, because I had a, a hard time breathing. Um, which was difficult. And, and the doctor at the time said, you know, this is, this is something she was fresh out of medical school and she had recently learned about cystic fibrosis. And she said, okay, well, why don't we test for this? Um, but I think at 18 years old, I'd love to say that I had this life changing revelation and it nice. changed the whole outlook that I had on everything. And I had gratitude and, you know, it, it, it is and it isn't because it came into my awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at that age and, and almost at any age, when you get news like that, all you can do is take it one step at a time. Yeah. And that's what I did. And, and I tried to kind of block out of my mind that, yeah, I may only have, what, 12 years left at this right, point? I'm 18, right. 12 years brings me to 30. Um, so it was a, it was shocking. I, I yeah. cried. It was emotional. Um, but I also knew that I just had to take it one step at a time. Right. And I think anyone that's facing something challenging, uh, if they can block out the distant future and just think about that first step, man, how empowering is that? Yeah. Like, what, what a great opportunity to say, I don't, I don't know what this is going to do to me, but, uh, but all I know is that I have to go to the hospital. I have to get medication. I have to change the way I'm living my life in terms of the daily habits, mm-hmm. um, I, I now take seven pills with everything I eat. Well, that's a change. Um, right. I had to do lung therapy every day. I had to use a nebulizer. I had to take medication. I had to 
work uh, a doctor's appointment into my life every three months. So, you know, it was changing the way that I live my life daily, but just taking that first step and saying, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to get as well as I can right now. Mm-hmm. And then what happens in the future, I guess, you know, at 18, you kind of think you're invincible. And I did. Right. Uh, I, I didn't really believe that it was something that was going to take me down. That probably served you well, too. Right. Because, um, you know, it, it didn't uh, you didn't spin into a deep depression. And or did you did you go through a, a season where you were depressed through about this? So I would say depression leaks in um, just occasionally when maybe you realize the severity of what's going on. Mm. I didn't fall into a deep depression by any means. Good. Um, I, I, I like to think that I have this this interesting quality uh, that maybe I was born with called delusional optimism. Right. And it's <laughs> That's great. Regardless of what anyone tells right. me I, I can or can't do, I'm going to remain optimistic that I at least have control uh, mm. of, of my life and my outcome, um, even in the face of overwhelming, maybe even scientific evidence, such as uh, disease like cystic fibrosis. Right, right. You know, what's very interesting as I'm, I'm listening to you is, is that the taking the now is so important for you, Ryan, and people who are going through a very strong diagnosis that they, you know, they feel can be or is terminal, right? Yeah. Because most of us who are coaches or leaders or whatever, we always tell people to look long term, Right. Look at look at the end goal. Look five years from now. Look 10 years from what are you going to do today for five years from now? And your perspective is so refreshing and different. Right. Because it's like, no, no, let's look at today because today is all we have. Right. So I always say like today's all we're promised. I don't know what later is going to bring or tomorrow. Um, So it's kind of like the same thing you're saying. But I also think about the long term. But that must be a little scary when you've been diagnosed with something that long term isn't so long term. Right. That's that's a really good observation. And I will say the the times that I have had concern or maybe allowed some depression to creep into my thoughts is oftentimes thinking long term. Mm. Um, Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And it's very important to take one step at a time. But I think Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, Nina, is so true. I feel like you have to align your daily habits and rituals and that first step you do have to align it with the mission that you have for your life. And, and that mm-hmm. sounds like mm-hmm. grandiose and it sounds to some maybe overwhelming and, and it sounds like a lot, but at least understand who you are. Yeah. Right. And, and I understood at 18, pretty much nothing, but right. I did have some ideas of like maybe where I wanted my life to be like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I go back to, yeah, like I, I had two parents that were loving and cared for me and, and, they gave me a beautiful childhood. Um, well, I wanted to do that. I wanted right. to give that to the kids that I wanted to have. I loved my parents. I loved my brother. I loved my friends. Right. Well, I wanted to essentially become like my parents. I wanted to have a loving family. I enjoyed my childhood. So I wanted to give that to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I, I understood that that was a goal But when I thought about my situation, understanding that 99% of men with cystic fibrosis have uh, this this aspect called absence of the vast deference, which renders you infertile in a way, um, it was going to be difficult to have biological children. 
So, mm. you know, I, I understood that there was a long-term goal. I just didn't know how to reach it, but I did know that taking it a step at a time um, was going to be the best way to do it. Did you ever feel like you had to um, try to cram everything in that you wanted to do before 30? Did that, did that thought ever cross your mind? So it did for sure. And um, I, like I said, this, this delusional optimist mindset that I feel like I had, even though I was told 30, I, I didn't truly believe it. Um, mm, good. And, and just to kind of give you some context as well, like I wasn't a sick 18 year old in, in the grand scheme of things. I was actually, uh, when I was diagnosed, I was, I was committed to go to play collegiate baseball. Um, and I ended up going on to play baseball in college. Oh. Um, and so I, I wasn't like this sickly kid. I felt healthy. I felt good. Mm -hmm. I felt energetic. Um, in retrospect, I was, when I was diagnosed, I, I think I had a 50% lung function and immediately wow. upon getting medication, it, it jumped up to about 70%. So, you know, I was breathing like a chronic smoker over the, you know, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel that way because it was how I always felt. So right. I never felt like I had to cram my entire life in before 30. Um, but I always had it in the back of my mind that I, I wanted to live every day like it was my last day. Mm. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of days that that I didn't do anything that I feel like had that perspective. Um, right. But I think looking back now, you know, when you hit 30 and you hit 35, yeah, I was gonna you ask do you that. say, okay, well, yeah, now I'm playing with house, with house money. I've, I've already surpassed the timeline right. they gave me. And yeah. that's a powerful perspective. Yeah. Now I must like, have I, been I didn't huge. expect to have this. Yeah. That sounds huge. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I was just thinking that as you were going there, like, what was that 30th birthday? Like, <laughs> did you, I mean, that must've been like, wow. Right. Because you got up the day after you're 30, you yeah. already won. Right. Did you, did you, were you like, anxious about 30? Were you ever like thinking about 30? You know, like 30 is what she said or he said. Uh, that must have been like the best birthday ever. Did you celebrate it? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Not really. Um, I, so for whatever reason, when the doctors told me 30, I just thought 60. Right. I was like, eh, you know, I, they told me 30. I at least got to 60 and, and right. For, right. for no reason at all. Like it was irrational in a way. Um, right. so, so 30, no, I didn't celebrate it like that. I honestly did. It was just another day. And I feel that way about birthdays, um, in general, like I kind of like, eh, birthdays, they are what they are. Uh, right. I actually, it's funny. I don't, I've never talked about this on another podcast, but I have this, um, this philosophy and this joke, and it actually came from Adam Carolla of all people, uh, the, the comedian podcaster, mm -hmm. host of the man show. And, uh, he used to talk about and this was like early in my twenties when I heard this and I just laughed at it. So I worked in a sales company doing medical sales. Um, and I built a team and it was a successful team. We could talk about that as well, but I always had this philosophy. There was a group text chain that would always go around and it was the whole company and someone inevitably it was usually our HR person or our mm -hmm. office manager uh, would say, Oh, it's Jeff's birthday today. Happy birthday, Jeff. And then, right. you know, 20, 30 other people would chime in. Happy birthday, Jeff. Good job. You know, we love you. And it was, I was always like a happy person, but I loved 
sending a text to that person within this giant text chain saying, we don't celebrate birthdays here. We celebrate quota. And it was always this thing of like, you didn't earn your birthday. Right. Celebrate something you earned, you know? (laughs) So I always had that feeling about birthdays. I don't think it has anything to do with cystic fibrosis, but it does go to my mindset of like, look, it doesn't count if you didn't earn it. Right. So uh, no, 30, 30 wasn't anything special oh, for that's me. Funny. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but you're, you're a dad now, right? So you be, you I became am. a father. Is that right? Biologically? I did. Yeah. And, and wow. this is, and this is great because like I said, I really, I, I wanted to become a dad. It was a goal of mine. It wasn't anything like, you know, I wasn't 18 years old saying, oh, but I got to be a dad. But it was the one thing when I was diagnosed that, kind of really hit me hard because it seems so tangible like mm-hmm. death to an 18 year old is kind of like that's not going to happen right right but right. when a doctor says uh you know we're going to follow up with a blood test and we're also going to follow up with a semen test to see if you can have kids and i'm 18 years old and i i knew at 18 through taking that test that i wasn't going to be able to conventionally uh have my own children and for whatever reason that just seemed more tangible it seemed more real yeah. to me and that mm-hmm. really hurt. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was aligning my masculinity with it. I don't think that's what it was, but it was just this tangible thing of, well, no, you can't have kids. So right. uh, I got married to um, uh, the the love of my life at 23 years old. I got married pretty early and she was really understanding of the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. And we ended up understanding that it was not going to be a conventional um, way to have children, but there was still ways to have children. You could mm-hmm. adopt and, you know, she did her research and we learned a lot about IVF mm-hmm. and I was able to, um, That's awesome. have biopsies and, and be able to use my sperm to have children. Um, so we started the IVF process pretty early. I was 25 years old. And then, um, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of processes. It was heart-wrenching. It was yeah, emotional. It was traumatic. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the greatest thing we've ever done in my life. And, and at 28, I had my first son. And, oh, uh, cool. And that was, that was powerful. And then at 30, I had my second um, all through IVF. And it was that to me, um, those were the happiest days yeah. in my life was, was having See, my Now days. birthdays matter, huh, Ryan? They they do they do now birthdays matter they still need to earn something but yeah birthdays matter so that's funny yeah because I mean it's it there's a change that happens right when you have a child there's something yes. there's like a love you never thought you had that explodes inside of you you can't even imagine how that feels unless you have a child and yeah. so I'm really grateful that you had two that's amazing Ryan that's really great. That's yeah, two boys, really cool. two boys, two, two boys, two boys. And yeah. it's funny you say that that's a love you didn't realize you had inside of you. Cause I thought this as well. I was like, man, like I love my life. I love my friends. I love my wife. And then having that first kid, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, there's like a, there's a section of your heart <sighs> that just, you didn't <laughs> a even whole know another level. Right. And I remember having my second kid and being worried like, man, I don't think I could, I don't think I have the capacity for love in my heart that I can give to another kid because yeah, I love I went my through that. first one so much. <laughs> and then the second that that kid is born, I was like, Oh my gosh, I unlocked another section of my heart. Like right. there's so much love available. I, I couldn't believe it. It was right. shocking to me. 
Right. Me too. I was actually concerned because I was pregnant with my second. I have two boys, uh, and I was second with my well, pregnant with my second one. I, I thought the same thing, Ryan. Oh no, I'm not, I don't know if I have enough love. I mean, I want to love it so much. It's a it's a like a miracle. Like you have yeah. the second child, it's the same, if not the higher intensity of love that you feel for your kids. It's just an incredible feeling. So I'm really, really grateful to the world, the universe, God, that you got to really experience that that wasn't stolen yeah. from you that wasn't yeah. stolen from you that's awesome so tell me ryan now you're here mm -hmm. you look well you're alive you're a dad what else do we got going on what else do you do yeah so i've thought um long and hard about uh i think you get to a certain point in your life and i'd love to say that it was at 18 it wasn't it wasn't it was it was probably more recently um I don't know if it was 30 or not. It was right around 30 though. Um, so, you, you know, you do ask about like that 30th birthday. And I think that there's like a shift in your mind that happens yeah. kind of when you surpass an expectation maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I read this book about finding your why, uh, Simon Sinek. And I, mm -hmm. I, my wife's gonna be like, oh my gosh, you mentioned that stupid book again. But um, <laughs> But I do believe that you have to have um, a purpose or a just cause in your life to kind of align the way you want to go. And mm -hmm. I read this book and I said, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a purpose statement or a mission statement or a just cause. And, um, and, and I've tried to, since I did this right around 30, uh, try to kind of live my life in a way that was aligned with this purpose. And the purpose that I have, I believe in my life is I want to, I aim to build a world in which every individual sees themselves as the hero of their own story, mm. has the courage to turn that story re into reality, um, and the confidence to share that story with the world. And I that's may have awesome. said that wrong, but that's that's really the purpose that I feel like in my life. And and you know, I wondered how to do it, uh, and that's going to be a constant. That's going to be a constant struggle. I think forever is trying to align my daily habits, my daily actions, what I'm doing as a career, everything with, with this purpose. And right. um, I work currently as a consultant in the healthcare space, helping uh, young reps and managers to be the best they could be in their career, to build their career in medical sales the same way that I was able to. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also started a podcast, the Every Breath Counts podcast, to try to give hope, to try to give gratitude, to try to give just help individuals, businesses, entrepreneurs be the best they could be. I like to use the word optimize, but just mm. take themselves to the next level and oftentimes to a level that they didn't know that they had. Similar to, similar to how I'm living past 30, 35, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a level that I didn't know that I had. And I think that that we all have this opportunity to be to be great. And I think it's inside of us. And I think that there are keys to unlocking it. Wow. That's really great. And, you know, I, I like that you're using it in that space too. Um, you know, sometimes um, I, I used to be in, in medical for a while. I was a medical yeah. assistant, and ultrasound technician for 15 years. Oh, okay. And um, so the medical space is, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's great though, that you're pouring in that way. Do you, do you find that you, um, so it sounds to me like you're not just leading them. You're like coaching them through as well. Is that something that you do in your life as well? Like, are you coaching people or are you using your podcast to reach a broader audience? 
I, I have said from the beginning, um, I don't want to coach. Uh, I, it's not something that I'm passionate about. And if I'm not right. passionate about it, I'm right. not going to really waste my time doing it. Right. Um, I feel like it's a disservice. I think the coaching career is great. Um, I think that that people really look to others for guidance. I think they look to others for inspiration. I think they look to others for a framework and a blueprint. And look, I don't have it. I don't have right. a framework or a blueprint. What I do have I do have the ability to inspire. I have the ability to motivate. And I think awesome. through conversation and through management, I, I understand what it takes to help people get past struggles and get past adversity and to really advance themselves in certain ways. And, and you know, maybe you can consider it coaching. I don't have a coaching business, right. um, but I do feel like when you look at someone that inspires and motivates you, um, I think that you can pull what you need from their story. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's important because I don't want to tell someone what to do. But what I do want to do is I want to share stories of people yeah. who have been in a situation that others are in now. And right. I think storytelling is so important so in, in, our, in our culture, mm -hmm. just in life. And I think without being told what you need to do, I think you can pull the lessons that you need from someone else's story. And I think that's really powerful. And that's what my podcast does is it shares stories of people that have been through adversity, that, that are entrepreneurs, that, uh, that do have success and have achieved greatness within their life. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, that that's an unbelievable asset for people to have. Do you like doing it? You like podcasting? Oh, it's the greatest thing, isn't it? Uh, that's ever that that's ever happened in my career. It truly is. It's connecting with people like you, Nina. Connecting with you know, we have some mutual friends that we've talked to. Uh, Nate Palmer. Um, there's oh, amazing people him. out yeah. there, you know. Yeah. And the what inspires me is just hearing other people's story of success in the face of adversity, and I love it. Yeah, I love it, and I I relate to it, and I learn from it, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. And you know what I love about all of that is and you, you prefaced it by saying, I'm not passionate about it, so I'm not going to waste my time on it. Yeah. That is so powerful, Ryan, because that, you know, gives us all like a pause. Hold on a second. Am I doing what I love to do? You know what I mean? Like, should I be wasting my time on this? And that yeah. happens to a lot of people, right? You get stuck. And um, it's funny enough, that's what my message is going to be about today is, is getting unstuck. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit before uh, we wrap it up about yeah. um, how you are, you know, today, how are you doing? Because I, I think you're, are you still doing athletic stuff? Are you still working out? Like, what what's that? part of your life looking like? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I like to consider myself an athlete. I don't know that I truly am. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I think is really important for anyone, not not anyone that just has a medical condition, but I really believe that that fueling your body is, uh, is one of the one of the most important things you could do to be successful in any aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's harder for certain people. But one of the things that's important to me, uh, I decided um, I was actually fortunate enough with cystic fibrosis. It was three years ago now um, that they started to do these these medications that actually changed the genes within your body. Um, mm -hmm. So it flipped cystic fibrosis in a nutshell is the eighth chromosome um, in your DNA is, is mutated. 
So their medication that recently came out actually like fixes the mutation in your chromosome. And I was fortunate enough to get on this medication um, back in 2019, uh, I think it was. 20, uh, yeah, no, so I'm sorry, 2020, early 2020, mm -hmm. um, two years ago. And it allowed me to go from 35% lung function because it's a chronic uh, condition where your lungs deteriorate over time. So I went mm -hmm. from 70 down to 35 which is when you start talking about lung transplant. Mm. And I went from 35% to 70% or 65%, which is right where I was wow. like 18 years ago um, within three weeks. It was amazing. Wow. It was a life-changing uh, uh, drug for me. And I told myself, you know, I've been so fortunate to get this opportunity. I want to raise some money for the foundation that supported the research. And I wanted to do something that would prove to the world that you could do anything. Um, no matter how difficult it was going to be. Yeah, so amazing. the second that I went on the medication and started feeling better, I said, what's the one thing that would be really hard for someone with a lung disease? Running. It just seemed like, you know, endurance running. It seemed hard. Yeah. Uh, and I hate running. I still hate yeah. running. So I decided at that point that I was going to run an ultramarathon. I was going to run a 50-kilometer ultramarathon to raise money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. That's kind and of taking it too far, isn't it, Ryan? <laughs> It's funny. I, my wife running, was like, what? why not just a 5K? What is wrong with you? I know. She's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to run an ultra marathon. She's like, not a marathon? And I was like, no, because I, because I want people to know that there's more. Like, right. there's more. A lot of people have run an, a marathon. But only 70,000 people every year run ultra marathons. So there's 70,000 people in the world wow. living with cystic fibrosis and 70,000 people in the world a year run an ultra marathon. So each feat is equally rare. Um, so I said, okay, 50 kilometers, it's 31 point something miles. I'm going to run an ultra marathon. I signed up for it. I trained for nine months. And sure enough, what was going on in 2020? COVID. Um, so the, the, race was, the race was canceled. canceled. But uh, I said, you know what? I've raised over $5,000 for the foundation. Um, I've trained. I've ran over 1,000 miles training for this race. I'm going out there. I'm running it on the course on the day of the race alone with no one there, no crowd, no ticker tape parade. I'm just going to go out and run 50 kilometers and I'm going to wow. have my wife and family available to bring me water and food if I need it, but I'm, I'm doing it. And I went out and I ran a 50 kilometer ultra marathon with 65% lung function in six hours and 36 minutes. Ooh. And it, it was such an achievement for me, wow. it, you know, brought me to tears at the end of it. And just knowing that I was able to accomplish something so rare as a physical feat, right. as the condition that I was afflicted with, um, it was powerful. It was powerful. And it goes to show that it doesn't matter, you know, what you're fighting, like success and greatness That's is possible. So you just have to That's figure so out the blueprint, you know, to make it happen. Yeah. Wow, Ryan, that's so inspirational. Holy cow. I can't believe that. That is wow. So I, are you still right now at that higher lung function? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still near that function of 65%. Awesome. Um, and I'm still, you know, I attribute it to the medication partly, but yeah. I also attribute it to, you know, having a mindset and a mentality that it's something that you got to fight every day. And, and right. it goes back to like fighting every single day and the small right. step. And the one thing that you learn when you run an ultra marathon 
is you're going to have ups and downs. Right. And when you hit those downs, you, you have to keep moving forward. Like you right, can't right. stop. The last thing you want to do is sit down in a car and, and because you're not going to get back up. So you have right. to keep moving and you have to force yourself to keep moving. You, and you have to take it one step at a time. And oh, you know, 31 amazing. miles is, is, is all just one step at a time over and over and over and over again. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. No. So I still feel like every single day, like I woke up this morning and I worked out because right. if I don't, you know, the world's just going to pass you by at some point. Right. So wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, how, how old are your boys? So I have two boys who are nine and six. Nine yeah. and six. And they're watching, Ryan. They're watching. They right? Are. They, they are. are. This is a yeah. good impact in their life. I mean, talk about not being able to give you excuses, huh? <laughs> I know. I know. And they do, they do the funniest things, too. Like, I know one of them came home with uh, over Christmas. They, they were supposed to write something they were thankful for on a Christmas tree. And, you know, he, one of the, I forget which one it was, came home and he just wrote, I'm thankful for doctors. And he, and he mm. showed it to me and I was like, oh, why are you thankful for doctors? And, and he said, well, because, you know, you're healthy because of, because of the doctors. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's that little bit of humility you have too when the kids yeah. come home and you know that, yeah, they're watching you and you're doing this for a oh, reason yeah. and, you know, you want to be a good example. Yeah, well, I think you're a great example, Ryan. It's such a pleasure to meet you and have you on Straight Talk for sure. Um, and I'm going to wrap it up because I could talk to you all day, but I wanted to know, like, if people wanted to, like, you know, follow you, maybe even like donate to the cause that you're raising money for, if you're still raising money for them and things like that. Like, how do people connect with you? What, where's, where's the best place? Yeah. So there's two ways that I like to connect with people. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. So at every breath counts podcast is my Instagram handle. That. And look, I, I want to, I want to inspire and motivate the world. And, um, if you are looking for some inspiration, I do a podcast and it's a weekly yeah. one hour interview with generally some sort of entrepreneur, athlete, um, someone that has achieved greatness in their life. And they kind of share their story and the strategies that they've had to to accomplish this, the feats they've, they've been able to accomplish. So anywhere you stream podcasts, if you're listening to this, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it may be, uh, it's on all of them. It's called Every Breath Counts Podcast with that's amazing. I absolutely love the name of your podcast. That is really, really, really good. Did you come up with that yourself? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a mantra. <laughs> I love uh, it. I just think that, you know, you have to make every breath count in your life. And it goes yeah. back to living one day at a time. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I'll tell you one little story here before, uh, before we end. Because um, I think this is really important. You know, you and I can talk and, and we could say, oh, I've accomplished whatever. And, and Nina, you have this amazing podcast and you're doing great. And people may be listening at any point and say, okay, well, that's all well and good. You know, you, you reach some level of success. No, no. Like it's a struggle every single day, no matter yeah. who you are, no matter what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you right now, that I have a delusional optimist mindset and I thought that I was going to be successful. No, what? And I had the kids that I wanted to have and I accomplished the career goals that I wanted to have. And I've moved on to this podcast and okay, that's great. And that's part of that mindset. But you know what? I got that mindset from my dad in a lot of ways. Mm. And, and right around 30, um, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer. 
And he had a very similar mindset. And he said, I'm going to beat this and I'm going to live and I'm not going to write my own eulogy and this isn't going to defeat me. And you know what? He died within six months. Mm -hmm. It's not important that you have the mindset to be successful and to survive and to flourish because sometimes there's things in life that are going to beat you. The most important thing is that you live every day as if you are going to be great, as if you're going to be successful, as if you're going to flourish and have the greatest life you can possibly have. And if you can lay your head down at the end of every day and say, you know what? I did my best today. I put in every ounce of effort. I may not wake up tomorrow. That's what's important. And that's That's what the delusional optimist mindset is about. Believing that success is inevitable, understanding that a lot of the time it may not be. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. You just go ahead and grab a mic and just drop it, Ryan. That's why you gotta (laughs) drop it. (laughs) Thank you so much for being and spending this time with me, Ryan. Honestly, this was amazing. Thank you. Oh, it was it was my pleasure, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. Guys, thank you guys so much for listening and being here. Please go ahead and follow Every Breath Counts podcast. I mean, I'm I'm going to subscribe right now as soon as we get off of this call. I'm gonna make sure that link all of his information below. That way you can follow him on Instagram. Go ahead and listen to his podcast. Be inspired. That's what that's what this is about, right? For um us and others to use their stories to inspire you because there's no need for you to be stuck. There's no need to be in a place where you don't want to be. There's there's a way to move. And so we want to help you with that. So thank you guys for being here. This is Nina Perez. Make sure you smash that like button. Until next time. Broadcast is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.